Welcome back to another episode of the Nesson Fantasy Football Podcast. Adam and Sean back again. Um, we're going to have a special guest in this episode later on. We're going to have Nesson.com beat, Patriots beat writer Zach Cox. He's going to go over uh, pretty much all of the uh, offensive weapons on the Pats. Uh, we figured it was a perfect time to bring him on because it's pretty much the first time all season that the Pats have yeah. been fantasy Never relevant. Mind all season, in years probably. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> I mean, last year I try to forget it was such a miserable season. But before we get to Zach, we'll do our standard winners-losers, start-sits, some waiver wire, uh, get you guys prepped for Week 11. But before we do that, we'll look back to another pretty uh, – crazy week that was yeah, with week 10 uh, we'll start with winners and losers who's your first winner uh, my first winner is going to be Patrick Mahomes and I think I'm going this way just because Mahomes owners are finally able to you know take a breathe that sigh of relief almost uh, you know with his performance against the Raiders it's just it, it hasn't been a great season for Mahomes from a fantasy perspective and um, it was actually shown he was he dropped all the way down to quarterback eight on Yahoo's list entering this week and I, don't, I mean when's the last time we can remember Mahomes being anywhere outside the top five but um, he bounced back he led all quarterbacks in scoring um, and he actually in full point leagues he scored 10 more points than the second highest quarterback which was Dak Prescott uh, Mahomes finished with 406 total yards five touchdowns he threw league best 10 explosive plays of 16 yards or more, and he had a perfect 100% completion rate on throws of 20 or more air yards. Um, and at the same time, you know, you, you talk about those explosive plays and everything, but he averaged 4.4 air yards per completion. So it kind of showed that he was, you know, taking those short passes to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and um, all those other weapons that he has over there. So just a great week for Patrick Mahomes, great week for the Chiefs in general. Uh, I'm going to go with one of those aforementioned weapons. I'm going to go with Daryl Williams. All right. Uh, he had 40, a modest 40, 43 rushing yards against the Raiders, but he also had nine catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, with I mean Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey there. I mean, Demarcus Robinson to an extent. Like that's you don't expect a running back in Kansas City to rack yep. up that many catches and yards. Huge game for him. Uh, his previous game high for catches going into this game was five, mm-hmm. and his previous game high for yards was 61. So he nearly doubled both of those oh. totals. In PPR leagues, he had 29.4 fantasy points, mm-hmm. which is pretty clearly the most. Um, but yeah, he's a player to monitor now because it does sound like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is nearing his return. Mm-hmm. But when you have a guy riding a hot hand like Williams, it's you know you don't want to diminish his touches completely. Mm-hmm. So it should be interesting to see what Andy Reid does with him moving forward. Could Clyde Edwards Hilaire like somewhat lose his job? Stranger things have happened. I mean, especially for a player, obviously a first round pick, but it's not like he's an established yeah. star. So you have a more veteran back like Williams. And I mean, it also could be a Mahomes call. You know, yeah. if he's like, I'm more comfortable with a guy who's been in our system for a handful of years, yeah. then, you know, let's go with him. Uh, who's your second winner from week 10? Uh, my second winner from week 10, I'm going to go with um, Hunter Henry of the New England Patriots. And I think this is, and we'll touch on this a little bit later as well, but. There was just so many winners for the Patriots, just a complete shellacking of the Browns. Um, but I wanted to pick Henry specifically. He was Yahoo's tight end 14 entering the week, and he finished as a second highest scoring tight end behind only Travis Kelsey, who we just mentioned. Um, Hunter Henry, 4.93 points per touch on four touches with two touchdowns and two red zone looks. 
Um, and he, it's just, Henry's just, he's really been coming along. Seven touchdowns in seven games. He's the third highest scoring tight end uh, since week six. Um, and it's large part just because of his red zone ability. So, you know, not seeing a whole bunch of targets, but um, really making those opportunities count. And it certainly was a great week for Hunter Henry. Um, you mentioned there's a lot of players to choose from from that Patriots-Browns game. I'm mm-hmm. going to go with one of them. I'm going to go with Ramondre Stevenson. All right. Uh, mostly because, I mean, there was genuine concern he was even going to play that game. I yeah. mean, he was knocked out of the Panthers game with a concussion, missed the whole week of practice, mm-hmm. and still overcame that, racked up the first 100 rushing yard game of his career, mm-hmm. added two touchdowns. Uh, just a monster. He also added, you know, 14 receiving yards. Obviously, it's nothing to write home about, but he still had four catches. Yep. The fact that he hauled in the majority of his targets is a win, obviously, for a young and experienced back. Mm-hmm. Also, just for what it's worth, had the longest run of the season in that game. And I thought it was funny that the week prior, someone asked about uh, J.C. Jackson, how he missed that whole week of practice, then mm-hmm. played against the Panthers, had two picks. And Bill Belichick joked, like, you know, we can't make that the standard moving forward. But, I mean, that's two weeks in a row <laughs> Maybe now. Maybe they do. I mean, you know, <laughs> Bill Belichick is known for, you know, evolving and adapting. And, I mean, if it's if no practice is the key, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, could be a, a strategy worth using this week, short week against a really bad team. Yep. Who knows, you know? Uh, let's move on to the losers. Who do you got? Uh, my first loser is going to be A.J. Brown, the Titans wide out. Um, just another dud, really, a second straight dud against the Saints. Uh Brown, he entered as Yahoo's uh, the fifth-ranked receiver, and he compiled just 1.65 points per touch on two touches uh, behind a whopping 23 yards. So he finished as the 70th, that's 7-0, 70th-ranked receiver in total scoring. Um, and I'll, he was behind players like Braxton Berrios and Nikhil Harry, who are owned in literally 0% of Yahoo leagues. And Nikhil Harry this week was praised for how good of a week he has, and that was because he was good at blocking. And um, A.J. Brown scored less points than both of those players. I'm just going to choose to believe that A.J. Brown still has food poisoning. It would be funny if he battled <laughs> it for like an obscenely long amount of time. But yeah, just just a tough week for, for him, especially because you thought you know with Julio Jones out that he might yeah, pop off. I mean, you just you thought in general. I mean, right. this is two straight games now without Derrick Henry, and you know you would have thought that the target share is through the roof. You would have thought that the points are through the roof, and it's just it's been a very underwhelming uh, few games. Um, for mine, I'm gonna go for a loser. This is more of for people that roster this player, but I'm gonna go with Cordell Patterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he entered Week Ten with in PPR leagues 14 plus point games in all but one of his outings this season which mm-hmm. is pretty crazy for the, going into the season was probably you know a high-end gadget player is kind of what you would classify Patterson yeah, as he's probably available on the waiver wire for yeah he really was and only racked up 25 rushing yards and one 14 yard catch against the Cowboys mm-hmm. before he got hurt uh, he sprained his ankle, and it's just really tough timing for Patterson owners because the Falcons now have a quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. They're playing the the Patriots on Thursday night. I mean, even if he was playing, he obviously wouldn't be at 100%, and that's a very you know strong, surging defense that knows Patterson. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, back-to-back weeks for a player that you're kind of counting on for points, giving you pretty much nothing in Week 10 and then probably zero in Week 11 is just tough yeah. when, especially in the playoff push. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely, and it's kind of you know we talk about 
Patterson almost fits the same bill as like the Damian Harris. I mean, just two straight games in what a matter of eleven days or something like that for uh, for fantasy owners. I mean, that's kind of and missing you know missing them. Yeah. So that's kind of tough. Uh, who's your second loser? Uh, my second loser is going to be Darren Waller, the Raiders tight end, and it's uh, it's like surprising. I, I'm, I'm like at a loss for words over here. Um, you know, it's just he hasn't. You know, Waller. You think of him as, you know, if not. I would say a top three tight end in fantasy football. I mean, he, he's just used as a pass catcher. He's used down the field. He gets, sees a ton of targets, and he's tight end 19 over the last four games. Um, so Waller this week, he failed. it was his single worst performance of the season. He failed to score 30% of his projection. Um, he entered the slate as Yahoo's second-ranked tight end behind only Travis Kelsey, and he finished as 17th in full-point leagues um, for all tight ends. So, you know, just 0.91 points per target. He caught four of the seven passes thrown his way for a total of 24 yards. Um, it, it's just been, you know, we just talked about uh, Hunter Henry, you know, kind of being on that incline. Well, it feels like Darren Waller is kind of on that decline, and um, I'm, I'm sure that fantasy owners are probably losing their patience. Yeah, not even from a fantasy perspective alone is I think I hate using the people are saying just because it sounds like a crutch that you can't really prove but I mean last year with in recent years with Kittle's injuries Mm -hmm. and Kelsey aging there was some chatter of people being like is this guy the best tight end in all football I mean he's an athletic freak good enough quarterback to pad stats so I mean it's anytime regardless of the opponent when he puts up a dud it's just that's a huge bummer and at the same time I mean we talk about he's wide receiver or I mean tight end 19 over the last four games yeah I still wouldn't feel comfortable taking him out of my lineup. No chance just yeah. because I mean one you probably spent a third or fourth round pick on him and two it's just he you know he does have the ability to go for 25 fantasy points in a game and who else is out there like you're gonna start like yeah. the ghost of Kyle Rudolph in- <laughs> instead of Daniel or Darren Waller yep um I'm gonna my second one. I'm gonna go with Russell Wilson just because I I don't have him personally, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine the type of letdown you had yeah. where if you had to just band aid your way through five weeks. I mean, you probably went through my guys, Daniel Jones and Ty- Taylor <laughs> Heineke through those weeks, and then you finally were like, no matter what the opponent, once Russ is back, I'm taking off absolute dud from the Seahawks offense this week yeah he had 161 passing yards no touchdowns 32 rushing yards no touchdowns against the Packers Seahawks got blanked at Lambeau Field uh dating just to reinforce the point of how frustrating it was dating back to 2019 take a guess how many games Russell Wilson's had no touchdowns total so rushing and passing since 2019 so last season two full seasons before this season I'm gonna go with three two Okay. So, I mean, that's a guy that you can almost guarantee set your watch to find in the end zone at least once, yeah. probably multiple times. Um, I will say the one bright spot of uh, Russell Wilson owners is two of Seattle's next four games are against Washington and Houston. So mm-hmm. probably not going to see zero touchdown performances there. But, yeah, just a huge bummer him coming back and you know playing the way he did. I think if you remember right, I was very – steadfast and starting were. Russell you Wilson were. last week as well. And I was steadfast rooting against him. Uh, I'm admittedly being a <laughs> grump because uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport came out with a report saying that uh, Russell Wilson, that like the height of his rehab was rehabbing 19 hours a day. Oh my God. I get out of my face with that. Like, just like, okay, okay, super. Like, we already know you think you're a superhuman. Like, we got it, dude. Um, let's move on to our week 11 starts and sits. 
who's your first start for the week? Uh, my first start for the week is going to be A.J. Dillon, the Packers running back. And I hope this comes as, you know, kind of an obvious thing. Um, but wanted to include him anyway. And that so we'll start by saying that A.J. Dillon, I mean, he was coming along and, you know, to begin with. Um, he was 18th highest scoring running back since week seven. He jumped to the sixth highest scoring running back in the last two weeks in full point leagues. And now Dylan has the benefit of not being behind AJ um, Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones obviously injured, and uh, I, I think it's fair to say that Dylan is, you know, probably a top ten, maybe even like a top eight running back um, until Jones returns. So um, he's seen 35 touches these last two weeks, averaging 1.14 points per touch. Um, he's getting involved in the passing game as well, averaging 2.77 points per target. Uh, two touchdowns in the last two games, and like I said, you know now he's without. Um, there's no more Jones, and he goes up against the Vikings, who are allowing the 12th most fantasy points to uh, running backs. So it just feels like not only a great spot short term for AJ Dillon, um, but definitely should be uh, a lineup mainstay in the next few weeks. Another note I'll add to reinforce the Dylan Star point is that obviously the Packers are a publicly owned team. They were selling shares recently, I did see this. and AJ Dylan made it known that he purchased some. So now that he's an owner, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to be more motivated than before. You would think. I, I liked that, like just subtle, like self-employed. Yeah, I, that was very. He is. That was you know, nice. It's, it's always, I mean, I hope he adds that to like his LinkedIn. <laughs> just like AJ Dylan, self-employed. And he like I've made this clear about how stupid things just stick in my brain. Mm-hmm. The training camp photo of his legs will just I'll never yeah. be that. It's got beachfront property in my head. <laughs> I mean, just tree trunks for legs. Um, I'm gonna preface mine both ahead of time by saying I both of mine admittedly are reaches, but okay. I just wanted to you know spice things up. My first one, I'm gonna go with Justin Fields, which. Starting any Bears player, yep. even even Allen Robinson these days is scary, but I think Fields might be rounding into form. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 278 total yards and two touchdowns against the Niners two weeks ago. He looked pretty damn sharp against Pittsburgh mm-hmm. last week, and you could argue that the Bears got robbed in that game, which would have totally you know given them new hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do th- think they're not totally out of it. So I do think you could still see that desperation mode from the Bears where they let it all hang out. I think Matt Nagy should do that personally just because I think his job is on life support right now. Yeah. And adding to that, uh, the Ravens are in the bottom 10 of fantasy points per game allowed to quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't be shocked if you see like a multi-touchdown game from Fields this weekend. Definitely does. I would agree. Definitely does feel like he's coming along a little bit. Yeah. Uh, who's your second start for week 11? Uh, my second start for week 11, I'm going to go Devontae Smith, the Eagles receiver. Um, so Devontae Smith, this was kind of surprising to me. Devontae Smith is the highest scoring wideout in all of fantasy football these last two games. Um, he's averaging 22.60 points in full point leagues, um, averaging 5.02 points per touch on nine touches. Those nine touches that went for 182 yards, again, in this same two-game span. Um, and he has eight receptions of 16 or more yards. So Devontae Smith has been, you know, really um, hitting a hot streak here. And now he goes up against the Saints, and you think, you know, the Saints, well, they're not a great matchup. Uh, that's actually not that true. You know, the Saints are allowing the fourth most receiving yards and the eighth most fantasy points to uh, receivers this year. Um, so they've allowed 10 touchdowns to wideouts in these nine games. So it just feels like a spot where not only Devontae Smith is really kind of hitting his stride, but um, he's also getting a great matchup this week. Uh, 
that's the same vein with me going purely off matchup because the running back I'm re- recommending to start has yet to rush for over 70 yards this mm-hmm. season. That would be Miles Gaskin out of Miami. But they are playing, the Dolphins are playing the Jets this week who are absolutely dreadful against the run. They've allowed the most fantasy points per game to running backs in PPR leagues, allowing nearly 31 or nearly 32 points, which is the most by nearly a seven-point margin, which is pretty insane. Uh, The Jets have allowed a rushing touchdown in every game this season, and they've allowed multiple rushing scores in five of nine, so over half. And Gaskin just sees a ton of work Mm -hmm. with Miami. Um, There's really, I mean, you see him come out on third down sometimes, but he gets the lion's share of reps out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. And with their quarterback issues, you, you know, expect him to see more touches and targets um didn't i think he had a 10 catch game earlier this season right he had one game where it was it was crazy up there so yeah. always a threat to catch out of the backfield so uh hammer gaskin in your lineup this week if you have him uh, moving on to the sits who do you got for week 11 um i'm gonna go dearness johnson the browns running back and it just it kind of seems and you know i guess for you know for better or worse when you're a johnson fantasy owner it just seems like um you know nick chubb his either being active or not being available, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, really kind of just impacts Johnson's fantasy um, outlook. You know, he's it's like a rise and fall almost. Um, and the Browns this week, they're going up against a Lions defense that has allowed the second most fantasy points and third most touchdowns to uh, running backs this season. Um, but it's still, again, you know, just because of uh, the Chubb and, um, you know, him returning and everything like that off COVID, it seems like a spot to still fade Johnson. And I will say that, of course, if Nick Chubb does not return, everything that I just said is completely inaccurate. And I would be comfortable starting Dearness Johnson as, you know, anywhere from a running back two to a flex play. Um, I'll go running backs as well, uh, just to keep the theme going. I'm going to go double. I'm just going to go however you want to uh, quantify. I'm going to go any running back that wears a Bills uniform. Okay. Do not start this week. Uh, the Bills are playing uh, the Colts, who are allowing the third fewest fantasy points per game to running backs. Um, but if we want to focus on the, the top two guys, Zach Moss only has one touchdown on either side, or catching or rushing, dating back to week five. Devin Singletary only has one dating back to week three. Mm-hmm. So there's been very little scoring from either player. And even non-scoring, neither of them have had a rushing performance of over 85 yards this season. And between the two of them, they've only had three games all season with over three catches. So it's obviously a pass-happy offense in Buffalo. Um, I feel like Josh Allen's just going to be on just like a screw-you Taurus sling fest for the rest of the way after that. Uh, just despicable loss to the Jaguars. Um, And also the matchup is bad, so steer clear of Bill's running backs this week. Uh, Who's your second sit? Um, My second sit, so it's going to be a Chiefs receiver, um, but it's going to be McCole Hardman. And the reason I think I'm kind of going this way is I just think there's either building hype or there's, you know, current hype already um, in this Chiefs-Cowboys game and just the likeliness that it's going to be a high-scoring game. And um, it just makes me think how, you know, some – owners may kind of stretch a little bit and think, you know, well, Hardman could be a good flex play because there's going to be a lot of points scored. But I just don't really see that being the case. I mean, the Chiefs just last week against the Raiders, I mean, they put up 40 plus points and Hardman finished with two receptions for 20 for 27 yards. 
Um, so the Cowboys are, you know, middle of the pack in yards allowed. So wideouts is allowed nine touchdowns in 10 games. Um, but it still doesn't feel like a great spot for McCole Hardman. I mean, I just bringing it back to me being dumb. I just remember when he got drafted, people talking about how fast he was and yeah. like they got another Tyreek Hill. So that's always what I think of when I think of McCole Hardman. And I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, no, I think, I, hope I, not. Think, I think a lot of, you know, McCole Hardman fantasy stock is all just built on how fast he is and the fact that, you know, he could catch a 65 yard touchdown pass and have you be, um, you know, yeah. skating nice. So. Uh, speaking of dumb, I'm going to go with a player who I think is not a very smart football player. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Carson Wentz, um, just an absolute madman in the pocket. He, ha- I will give him credit. He has been progressing. He's had multiple touchdowns in six of his last seven games. Mm-hmm. But I really hate the matchup for the uh, Colts this week. They're playing uh, Bill's team, who is allowing the fewest fantasy points per game to quarterbacks by a three-point margin they're only allowing 10 per game which is like insane to Mm -hmm. think about um and just adding on to like the good chance of Wentz doing something stupid is that there's a chance it's going to rain in Buffalo on Sunday Mm -hmm. so can you just picture just like a soaking sopping wet Carson Wentz (laughs) ball is like incapable of being held him just trying to throw it 70 yards anyway or running you know trying to be Barry Sanders out there it just seems just like a perfectly set up game for like, oh yeah, this is why Carson Wentz like can't be trusted. Yep. Um, one last segment before we get into our interview with Zach, we'll do a waiver wire pickup uh, heading into Week Eleven. Who do you got? Um, so this is going to be, I, I would say, n- not typical. Um, I'm going to go with a tight end, and I'm also going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars tight end Dan Arnold. Um, Arnold, he's owning thirty five percent of Yahoo leagues. And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking this and are listening to this and thinking, you know, why would you ever recommend someone from the Jaguars? I mean, it's this one of the worst offenses of football. Um, and the receiver situation in Jacksonville is kind of messy. And like I said, you know, the, the offense is scoring their second to last in points. Um, but Arnold has kind of been creeping his way up the list of tight ends this season. He's tight end six in total scoring in full point leagues since week seven. He's averaging 12.83 points in those leagues. Um, and he's seeing eight targets per game. I mean, for a tight end to see eight targets per game since week seven is, you know, that's that's pretty good. Um, he's he's also averaged the fourth most yards during that span, and the people that are in front of him are George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, and Travis Kelsey. So Dan Arnold, you know, he, he's probably available in your league, um, and he's certainly, he's certainly worth a roster spot, you know, whether you have a um, a high ranked tight end or not, you know, maybe wait, waiting on the bye week, that sort of thing. Uh, my only note on Dan Arnold is that he played the first couple weeks of the season with the Panthers. Mm-hmm. So we got to see um, Darnold to D Arnold, which was pretty cool. Darnold. <laughs> um, and he actually did all right. I think he had like, like eight catches over a couple games, which yep. is, you know, um, I can't believe I'm doing this as a Patriots fan who suffered through last season, but I'm going to do it. We'd be remiss not to talk about him at all after this weekend. I'm going to go with Cam Newton. I'll do it. Um, He touched the ball seven times against the Cardinals and scored two touchdowns. I mean, that's just efficiency right there. Um, Matt Rule has made it very clear that they're preparing Cam to be the starter. I think that was kind of made clear when we saw how much money he was being made. And when you think about it, it's insane for a guy 
to sign on Thursday and play in any capacity on Sunday, mm-hmm. let alone quarterback who needs to know so many things. Like it's clear they want him to get the ball ASAP mm-hmm. and often. Um, I also think there could be somewhat of a revenge factor this week. I know how much you love revenge games. <laughs> um, they're playing Washington. Obviously, they're coached by Ron Rivera, Cam's old coach. I don't think there's bad blood between them two specifically, but I do think Cam will be like, you guys had so oft, like so long to sign me, and you mm-hmm. didn't. You went with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke mm-hmm. over me. Like I think that will be in the back of his mind. And moving forward, I was looking at it. The Panthers' next three games – Washington, Miami, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All three of those teams rank, rank in the bottom eight of teams that have allowed the f- most fantasy points per game, the quarterbacks. So you could see Cam make a splash pretty quickly. Um, so whether you're dealing with bye weeks, just remember it's a longer season, they extend longer. Or if you're not you know, super comfortable with your quarterback, he might be worth a shot over these next three weeks because um, there's really not much out there. I think he's probably pretty clearly the best option right now on the wire tell me if you feel the same way it was it was kind of cool to see cam newton check in the game for two plays and score touchdowns on both oh those yeah plays. i mean say what you want about him cam newton is one of the coolest players yeah. of our generation i mean that's a guy i would take the uh, you know on sports from like conduct helmet off mm-hmm. like if you're gonna take your helmet off you got to do it right he did it right was, he just yeah. screamed in the camera's face yeah i mean i don't want a guy just to, you know just you know give a blank stare or whatever <laughs> um and it would be cool i mean i think cam it also is like at least amongst his peers one of the most like well-liked players mm-hmm. i think fans like him too for the most part so it is you know a pretty cool story seeing unfold yeah and i don't want to say it's like a redemption story or anything like that like that's probably maybe going too far but to do that after being available for you know for 10 games yeah before i mean that's that's pretty awesome and i don't want to get ahead of myself but i mean the panthers are five and five and there are wild card spots to be had yeah you know so i mean maybe should we even say division bucks are falling apart no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh but that'll do it for our uh typical segments we'll close things out with our, with our interview with nesson.com patriots beat reporter zach cox We figured this week was the perfect time to have Zach on because pretty much for the first time all season, the Patriots actually have a handful mm-hmm. of fantasy-relevant players. Um, finally starting to get rolling on offense, looking like an actual threat on that side of the ball. Uh, thanks for coming on, Zach. Um, first and foremost, who's the player that surprised you the most uh, on offense for the Pats this season from a fantasy perspective? There are a couple of different options here, but I think I would go with Ramondre Stevenson, uh, the running back who, who's been just crazy productive in the last couple of weeks. Uh, last two games has gone over 100 yards from scrimmage in, in both games. Obviously had the huge rushing performance um, against the Cleveland Browns last Sunday. And this is a guy, I mean, overall, when you look at Patriots rookie running backs, a lot of the time you're, you're expecting that pseudo redshirt type year. Um, basically for everybody who isn't drafted in the first round, you, you saw it with James white, you saw it with Shane Vereen, you saw it with Damian Harris a couple of years ago. And after some of the, uh, tepid reports out of training camp from, um, from Ivan fears uh, about Ramondre Stevenson, it sort of looked like he was going down that path. Um, and then obviously had the healthy scratches earlier this year, but he's been in the lineup the last couple of weeks has been incredibly productive was had a really good game when Damian Harris was out of the lineup last week so uh, I certainly think he's going to be somebody who will continue to be uh 
continue to be, be in there and, and having that role. I, I'm pretty sure that the, the healthy scratch rotation type deal they were doing with JJ Taylor uh, is probably going to stop moving forward because Stevenson has just been too good to take out of the lineup. Yeah. I think I need uh, Stevenson to keep, keep scoring touchdowns solely. So Dave Andrews just keeps screaming Mondre in his face <laughs> from, from point blank. I mean, I just need that to become a consistent thing all season. I just want to run, give you a few names of who Ramondre Stevenson is behind these last two weeks um, when it comes to fantasy football running backs in full point leagues. Um, there's only four of them. It is Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, Christian McCaffrey, and Daryl Williams. So, I mean, that is certainly, you know, the company you want to keep. Jonathan Taylor obviously is, you know, going to be probably the leading uh, running back in all of fantasy football this year. James Conner, you know, just a red zone uh, mainstay, you know, really just a lot of rushing touchdowns, everything like that in Arizona. So I guess the question that I'm curious of, and I think a lot of fantasy owners are as well, is when Damian Harris does return for the Patriots, you know, whether that be this week against Atlanta or whether it be, um, you know, just in the future, how would you say to handle um, the Damian Harris slash Ramondre Stevenson, um, you know, kind of pair there? Yeah. I mean, historically, obviously the Patriots have just been kind of the, uh, a menace for fantasy owners with their running back usage. Uh, it's just, it's always been so hard to predict how they're going to use all the running backs that they have. It, it's hard to say too, until we see how it is once, once Damian Harris is back, how that split is, is going to work. But I do think that even if Damian Harris, Harris comes back and returns and, and is that clear kind of RB one, he doesn't really do much in the passing game. We haven't seen him really over the course of his career, add that much from a, a pass catching perspective and that's something Ramondre Stevenson does bring. I mean, you're still going to see Brandon Bolden in there on, on third downs and whatnot, but Ramondre Stevenson's a guy that can easily catch four or five passes a game. Uh, and as we saw against the Panthers a couple of weeks ago, he can break off uh, a long one once he has the ball in his hand. So uh, I think he'll, t he'll continue to be fantasy relevant regardless. Uh, I think if I was giving advice for this week, if we see, if we see uh, Damian Harris is kind of, off the injury report and good to go for this game. I probably would still start Damian Harris, mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's tough with the concussion and everything. If I have Ramondre Stevenson, I wouldn't feel nervous about putting him in my lineup. Uh, I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah. You make a good point about the frustration, you know, like we're heavily debating Harris and Stevenson. And then that just means, you know, Brandon Boland's going to go off for like 25 <laughs> points this week. Stevenson's got, he's got the goal line carries too, and, and the goal line ability. So you're, he's not a guy that's going to come off the field in, in those um, kind of goal to go situations and, and get somebody to vulture his touchdowns away from him. So that's, that's definitely a positive sign for, for fantasy folks. Mm -hmm. And um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, you go from very productive players with Harris and Stevenson to someone who might be the most disappointing player for the Patriots on either side of the ball uh, so far this season is Jonu Smith. He's been completely irrelevant fantasy-wise. Do you see him turning around at all this season, or it's probably waiver-wire city for him for the rest of the season? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you can view him as fantasy-relevant until he proves that he is fantasy relevant. Um, at this point, he one, he's got the injury issues. Uh, he didn't play last week, has had that shoulder injury that's been lingering for a couple of weeks, uh, did make the trip to Atlanta. So it sounds like there's a good chance that he will be back in the lineup this week. But even when he has been, 
he's he's seen much more of a, a run blocking split the, than Hunter Henry. It's really been uh, even though their their snap counts have been pretty equal over the last couple of weeks when both of them are playing. You're seeing uh, Hunter Henry run routes on 60, 70 percent of his snaps and then you're seeing Johnny Smith staying in block on 60 or 70 percent of his snaps so that's not the kind of split you want for somebody that you have in fantasy and you want to be productive I can see him improving over the second half of the season at least being a little bit more productive than he has been so far but especially with how good Hunter Henry has been in the red zone uh, I mean this guy seven touchdowns over his last seven games only it was what is it it's only uh, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, Mike Evans, and Tyreek Hill are the only players with more touchdowns, the uh, more touchdown catches than Hunter Henry this season. And Hunter Henry's done all of that in the last seven games. There's no reason to take him off the field or take him kind of de-emphasize his role uh, in the red zone. And that's where you really want your tight ends to uh, to thrive if you're uh, looking at it from a fantasy perspective. So I don't know. There's not a ton of incentive to get to really up Johnny Smith's pass catching role. Maybe he does work his way in there a little bit more over these last seven, eight weeks, uh, whatever we've got left here. But yeah, that would have to be a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of deal. And Zach, is it, it's, I feel like it's a little bizarre for the Hunter Henry thing. I mean, we're talking about a tight end who, from a fantasy perspective, he's seen four targets or less in each of the last five games, but he's still scoring. I mean, at, an unbelievable clip. I mean, you mentioned the seven touchdowns and everything like that. It just, it feels like it's just kind of so strange. <laughs> it, it really is too. When you look at his overall stat line, it hasn't been that good. Um, his, his yards per game and catches per game, both are on pace for his worst total since his rookie season, uh, mm-hmm. way back in 2015 or 2016, whenever that was. Uh, but he's just been a monster in the red zone. He really has that strong connection, uh, with, uh, with Mac Jones down there. Uh, I think it's been interesting too, that all seven of his touchdowns have come on different routes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like he's just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And defenses will eventually be able to kind of shift their focus into that spot and take him away. He's been scoring in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has, I mean, you can view touchdowns as maybe a little bit more volatile and, uns- and unsustainable than, than catches or yards, but it's been a month and a half now and he's still uh, continuing to, to put up these numbers. So it, yeah, it's the, the overall volume hasn't been there, but the, uh, the scoring production certainly has. Yeah. He, he's the third highest. I was looking for this. He was, he's the third highest scoring tight end since week six. So not a, not too bad, but moving on to um, I guess a different set of pass catchers, you know, we've seen Kendrick Bourne. He's the wide receiver 11 these last two weeks. We saw Jacoby Myers finally score his first ever touchdown. Um, so he, you know, and he's been kind of a fantasy mainstay as well. With that being said, which receiver, which Patriots receiver, would you say that you kind of trust the most, um, you know, going forward in general, I would say. I think it would have to be Myers just because he still gets such a large target share and a large mm-hmm. reception share on this team. He, he's the Patriots reception leader by a pretty wide margin. Uh, he's Mac Jones favorite target on those third downs. Um, and maybe the, uh, the floodgates will finally start to open for him from a, from a touchdown perspective. Cause mm-hmm. yeah, up to this point, he'd been the King of a eight catch 70 yard game, but he doesn't have a touchdown. So it kind of limits his, his overall value. Uh, maybe you'll uh, start to see a, a little bit more from him in, in that from that perspective moving forward. I think Bourne is, is certainly a good play too. He's had a lot, uh, 
uh, a lot of very productive games in the last couple of weeks actually leads the Patriots in receiving yards right now. Uh, one thing that I will kind of caution people over, you look at his stat line last week, I think it was four catches for 98 yards and a touchdown. 48 of those yards came on a garbage time pass from Brian Hoyer. So there, the fact that he's not, he doesn't have quite as much volume as, um, as Jacoby Myers makes him less of a appealing option for me. Um, I mean, take out that one play and he finishes with what three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, uh, not a terrible day for, for a fantasy receiver, but uh, that looks a lot worse than, than what he ended up finishing with. So yeah, if I had my choice of, of Patriots receivers to play, especially in PPR, uh, I would definitely stick with Myers right now with the, uh, with certainly as Kendrick Bourne as the number two and then Nelson Aguilar as, as a distant third right now. Yeah. I was about to say another plus with Myers was, you know, you can't sleep on him throwing the ball, but Kendrick Bourne can do that too. Yeah. You know, and maybe that just becomes like a must for Patriots receivers <laughs> moving I mean, forward. Kendrick Bourne's done a lot of the, uh, he's gotten a lot of rushing opportunities lately too. Uh, he had, I think 48 rushing yards in that last game. So yeah, I've been compiling uh, stats in multiple ways. I think the biggest thing I just took from that is that you should immediately go get Brian Hoyer, Hoyer on the waiver wire for that's, just in case. That's what I got. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about backup quarterbacks who are putting up numbers, uh, I think Brian Hoyer is probably as, as good as any of them right now. I got two touchdown drives and two garbage time games. It's yeah. true. But yeah, we thank Zach for coming on. Um, yeah, if Johnu Smith goes off for three touchdowns, you'll have to come on again next week so we can all eat some crow together. <laughs> yeah, I'll take my beating next week if that happens. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Zach. Thank All you. right, see you guys.